If cash is king, then cash flow is the kingdom. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents Channel. My name is Jesse Durham. Today we will be discussing cash flow and infinite banking. Now let's address some very natural laws that we can look at. Let's consider blood. Blood is considered necessary for livelihood. So if blood were the equivalent of cash in this way of thinking, then our circulatory system would be the flow, the kingdom. Do you follow me in this train of thought? Our lungs and the entire pulmonary respiratory system breathes air. So again, if air is the capital, if air is the cash, then that system represents that cash flow. And the same is said about water. Nash does a great explanation of water, the rivers and streams, tributaries, creeks, brooks, oceans, seas, lakes, all these, all the way up to the clouds and the precipitation there, are all one system. And that water, that capital, moves through that system from beginning to end, even to include through our own bodies that are significantly made up of water. So in addressing cash flow, which is much more, it seems to me, of a popular theme in today's financial world, and I would I would say it's very necessary. It's very necessary, more necessary to discuss cash flows than many other subjects. You know, I believe Robert Kiyosaki is perhaps one of the most famous personal finance gurus, financial educators out there that addresses cash flow. He has his famous cash flow quadrant books and others. And he goes so far as to say that cash flow is different than profits. So let's look at that example. So when Kiyosaki talks about cash flows, he's talking about the entire amount that you have at your disposal. Nash does the exact same thing. He says, even when considering this vast worldwide system of water, we still have a certain amount that comes through us. Even our, our very own bodies, our personal bodies. And that flow is a certain amount. Now, profits, Kiyosaki says is separate, not equivalent to, not necessarily the same as the cash flow. So a business, for example, may have a cash flow of 10, but it may have a profit of two. Just to use some very general, very understandable third grade mathematical layouts, profits are going to be different than cash flows. And when considering whether you're vetting the infinite banking concept or you're already a client practicing with a policy or a system of policies, it's necessary to look at our entire cash flow and not just considering what should we set aside in savings. Folks would like to use that word or investing money. Life insurance is not an investment. Nash addresses that. It's in no way, shape or form an investment. Even though folks would like to say uh, that it is, uh, they're misinformed. It's okay. You don't know what you don't know. There was definitely a time when I didn't know what I know now about life insurance and banking and all these different subjects. And again, that's why we're here to share and talk and have this discussion about cash flows and infinite banking and all these related subjects. And that is indeed the issue. In fact, we're told by the financial gurus in the financial world to be looking at what we're saving and investing and all these other different directions instead of looking at 
banking, instead of looking at the volumes of dollars of interest that we're bleeding out, dollars that are forever leaving our household or our business or our investing, the volumes, the 30 plus percent of interest that the average All-American is paying in interest alone for our lifestyle, for what it is that we're already doing, not accounting for our need of finance, our own privatized banking, but rather advocating that to others, terms and conditions and paying them interest dollars for that. So let's just remember that banking just is. Banking just is. Whether you are conventionally financing your boats and cars and homes and college educations and vacations, etc., whatever it is that you're doing, if we are conventionally financing those things, we're paying interest dollars to someone else. And again, on their terms and conditions. Or if your approach is cash is king, I'm just going to save up money and set it aside somewhere until I have the amount that I want to be able to finance the things that I want to do. That's great. That's better. You're not losing interest dollars by paying them directly to someone, but you are forfeiting the opportunity to earn interest that you otherwise could have. Being able to accomplish more than one task with the same dollar. What if you could build and fund, pay premiums into a private asset that you own and control, appreciating asset that you own and control that will eventually culminate in a tax-free transfer of wealth, but will also provide you here and now with guaranteed access to your capital for accounting for your need for finance in the here and now. So either we are paying interest or we are forfeiting the opportunity to earn interest unless we can take a look at what our cash flows are, evaluate with scrupulous honesty, sure, where we may be spending frivolously, where we could put lazy dollars to work and have them become more effective, efficient, productive by funding whole life policies that we own and control with a mutual company that pays a dividend. Whole life policies that we privately own that can systematically be built to account for our need for finance to be able to accommodate what Nash says should eventually be our entire income. Getting our premiums paid into policies that we own and control equal to the dollars that we earn, income. So getting income and premium premiums equal to each other. Now, again, that's over the course of your lifetime, but systematically accounting for your entire financial footprint, being able to account for your entire cash flow. That way you can get your river or your stream, if you will, brick by brick, bit by bit, piece by piece, fully touching base in your warehouse of wealth, a system of policies that you privately own and control before it's sent on to its various tasks of funding college for the kids or buying the next family car or procuring business equipment, taking a vacation, buying an engagement ring, funding a wedding for your daughter, whatever the case may be, whatever it is that you're already doing, your next real estate deal, having a down payment for your next property, Whatever the case may be, the things that you're already doing, if you can look at your cash flow and systematically build a system of policies, intentionally with purpose, to account for 
over the course of your lifetime, that entire cash flow, what you can do is use those depreciating dollars today to fund appreciating assets with guaranteed growth, guaranteed access, a death benefit to boot, and lots of other beneficial characteristics that you would look for in the ultimate asset, wherein you can still access your capital. You're not setting it somewhere else out of your control or exposed to the market. And you can access your capital for the things that you want to do regardless. So instead of capitalizing the conventional banking system, we could be capitalizing our own privatized banking system. And what I'll do here next is let's look at some visuals. Let's look at some illustrations that will help us understand how the conventional dollar flows through the average American hands and what it can look like if we practice the infinite banking concept instead. Now to demonstrate this, I will be using a visual, but if you're listening in to the audio only, just visualize your own day-to-day month-to-month existence as it is and let's review your cash flows and what that visually would look like conventionally however it is that we earn or however it is that we receive cash flows whether that's earnings and wages from employment earnings from a small business that we run and own full-time part-time doesn't matter whether it is big business profits that we earn you know, from a business of 500 plus employees or whether we're earning passive incomes from investments, whatever the case may be, we all have a cash flow that comes to us and at least a percentage of that that leaves us. Remember Nash's analogy of water on the planet. It's all one system. The ponds, lakes, rivers, all the way to the oceans and even the skies that drop rain. And a part of that comes through the human body. We drink water. We're mostly made up of water. So however it is that cash flows flow to you and from you, conventionally, when we deposit money at a conventional bank, they promise us a certain amount of interest, normally on different checking or saving accounts, whatever their system is, however they have that set up. So they, they offer us a pittance of interest that we can earn, which let me also point out that that would be taxable. <laughs> Again, I'm not a tax expert, but I have bank accounts. That interest is taxable. So we're offered that interest and we're offered the convenience of check writing abilities, etc. Now, I won't spend too much time, but let me point out that fees, penalties, closing costs, the cost of appraisals, there are lots of ways that banks earn masses and masses of income on the fees and penalties, etc., that they can charge. However, let's just focus mainly on the fact of us sending our cash flows to a bank. I mean, we even have direct deposits now where a physical check doesn't even come to our home or a P.O. box. It goes right to our conventional bank. And for every dollar that we deposit in the conventional bank, that bank can loan out multiples of that dollar. So we're capitalizing the conventional bank system that we do not own. We're not owners of that bank. We don't receive dividends from that bank. And we're capitalizing it. Now, 
if we continue to follow the conventional financial wisdom that's out in the wide world, we'll be told to put a goodly percentage of our cash flows towards qualified plans that inherently lock up our money for 10, 20, 30 plus years. We're told to set it and forget it, to pay a goodly portion into those programs where we limit our access at the expense of great amounts of tax and penalty fees to access those funds, our money. And we're told to set it and forget it, to lock it up, to put it there. And then that leaves us inherently even that much more beholden to the terms and conditions of financing the things that we're going to finance anyway. The vehicles, the homes, credit cards, college educations, vacations, boats, motorcycles, fill in the blank. You know your situation better than I do. Whatever it is that you're already doing, remember, we finance one of two ways conventionally. Either we borrow someone else's money, such as in this instance from the conventional bank, and we pay their principal back plus interest on their terms and conditions that we are beholden to, we pay them interest on all of these different things. The only other way is to save up that money cash and pay cash for everything. But in that instance, we lose the opportunity to earn on our money where we otherwise could. So the conventional wisdom tells us to deposit into the bank and finance with the bank. And if we're prodigious, we'll set aside a good portion of our cash flows into qualified programs locked away from our access as well. This is the conventional wisdom. Now let's take a look at the more circular cash flow as described in infinite banking. However it is that we receive cash flows, the first priority is to fund whole life policies with a mutual company that pay a dividend. Eventually this will be a system of policies that would satisfy our entire need of finance, but it obviously may very well begin with just one policy. So we fund this policy wherein we have a death benefit that is appropriate for either beginning or adding to our system of policies that will give us adequate protection, adequate coverage. Therefore, inherently, there will be a high cash value to that policy. And we can access that cash value most conveniently without interrupting our compounding of premiums through a policy loan. So in a known interest environment, we can access our capital for our need of finance. Now remember, conventionally, we sent our dollars to the conventional bank and they got to loan it out and to use it. And speaking of loans, they would loan it right back to us for our cars and boats and college and everything else, whatever it is that we are already financing. Whereas now, we finance that ourselves. We maintain control over the banking function in our lives, in our business, in our investing. Whatever it is that we're doing with our cash flows, we're beginning to maintain control over the terms and conditions ourselves. We have stopped that bleeding out of interest to the third party lender, and we're keeping that money in our family, in our business, in our investment portfolio. And we continue to finance the things that we otherwise would have, whether that is a mortgage for a personal home or we're financing 
real estate deals. Whether that is the vacation that we take this year, the next car that we finance, credit cards, college educations, boats, fill in the blank. You know your situation best. You know what your financial footprint looks like and what your cash flows look like. Evaluate what comes to you, what you send out, where it goes, and compare that to what you see here. Because there are three rules to infinite banking. The first is pay yourself first, paying premiums into your policy. The second rule is pay yourself with interest. See, when we borrow the bank's money, we have to pay them interest. Well, to be an honest banker, to treat our money at the same level that we would treat the bank's money, to respect our cash flows as much as we would respect anybody else's cash flows, we would pay ourselves with interest to play honest banker. And then the third is to recapture those dollars. Think and really take a genuine look at all of your statements. Look at how much on a monthly basis, on an annual basis, how much is conventionally paid in interest from your home, from your business. How quickly would you want to start if you could begin to even recapture a fraction of the interest dollars that you're paying out currently. If you're following the conventional banking system, how soon would you want to start banking for yourself so you're paying premiums into a policy that you own and control? You access the capital in that policy. You finance the things that you would have financed otherwise. But now instead of paying interest dollars to the conventional bank or losing the opportunity to earn interest, you play honest banker pay yourself with interest, and then that can get recaptured back into your system that you can grow and scale and grow and scale on your terms and conditions under your control. I hope that that was helpful in allowing us to see how the dollar traditionally flows through the average American's hands, whether that's for a household, a business, a church, whatever the case may be, any person or entity, organization, group, how it's normally passed through and what it accomplishes. I mean, you know, you know what it accomplishes. Simply answer this for yourself. How much of what you earned last year did you keep? Did you retain? Did you get back? What about the last car that you bought? How much money do you still have today from the car that you bought last? How about your last vacation? How much of the money that you spent to take that vacation do you have today? Or any, I can ask any other number of questions about the things that we're going to do anyway. What if we could do those things and get the money back? See, the beauty of infinite banking is that it's not an either or, or. Do this or do that, do this or that. Banking just is. And if we will account for our need for finance, we can use our cash flows to fund a system of policies that we own and control where we can access our capital to do those same things that we would otherwise do. But now we've built up a system, an appreciating system, that allows us to do those same things that we otherwise would do. But that system also will accommodate us recapturing that money back into our system and grow that and scale that and grow that and scale that. So in addressing cash flow and how it relates to the infinite banking concept, we really do need to look at 
Are we systematically trying to procure assets? And Kiyosaki, for example, Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, says that an asset is something that puts money into your pocket. An asset is something that puts money into your pocket, a liability, then therefore something that takes money out of your pocket. So are we prioritizing assets? And if I could say anything about a whole life policy that's been properly structured with a mutual company that pays a, a dividend, that's the ideal asset. And there are several characteristics to that. It's not exposed to market volatility. It's a tax-free transfer of wealth with the death benefit. It hedges against inflation and litigation. There's private ownership. There's control. You can use depreciating dollars today to fund an appreciating asset. There's guaranteed growth. So, so many different characteristics that describes this ideal asset that we have in properly structured whole life policies. And when we prioritize assets in that way, by practicing the infinite banking concept as conceived and described in our Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, we can eventually accommodate and account for our entire cash flow, whatever that may be, as a household, as a business, as an investor. And remember this, if you, as a household business investor, will account for your need for finance and systematically build a system of policies that you own and control for how you finance things and can recapture that money back into your system and also have that eventually be a tax-free transfer of wealth to your heirs, to your beneficiaries, you will win against your competition by default. So I hope that this has been a helpful look at cash flows and how it relates to the infinite banking concept. If you'd like to have a personal discussion on how you could implement the infinite banking concept into your household, your business, and your investing, you can reach me at 828-817-4223. Or you can email DurhamTalents at gmail.com. This has been a great pleasure for me. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a great day. Take care.